Thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. That's right, kids. Uh, we're back. We had to take a, a week off uh, to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. But we are back, and we're ready to watch some more Unsolved Mysteries. We're back like Superman is. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> and that's Ooh, not a probably, diss. I probably, love that movie, pro- and I'm going to watch it. probably should have put a warning uh, yeah, spoiler alert. There, uh, the the intro of the movie is so much better than the first. Did you watch it or just? I I, or, I, I watched half of it because I had to yeah, get up early. It, it, it's good to do in parts. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's. But what I did was I got ready and watched beautiful. Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman before, like to get. Did ready. you watch it on HBO? Do you watch the yeah. the long the good version? Yeah, I watched it on HBO. But, I, but I've seen the good version. The I've seen I've seen <clears throat> the the four hour one. The no, the, the one on HBO is the is the ultimate edition. They don't oh, even okay. have the theatrical one. Oh, they don't. Yeah, which is cool because it's so much better. So I don't you saw the one. I don't remember. I thought it was four hours before. So that's no. Why. It's th- it's three. The, it's like two and a half. The theatrical is like two and a half, and the extended edition is like three. Yeah, and it's so much better. You get to see like Clark be a reporter and. And the Batman fight scene's a little more brutal. And yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's it's so. Yeah, I got I got I watched it to get ready. So then I I was kind of like right there. I'm like, oh, Superman dies in the beginning. <laughs> this is way cooler. Ah, uh, dude. Yeah, that's the way to do it because yeah. uh, I I still think Batman vs Superman's better, but I mean, Justice League is all spectacle. So it's they're yeah. hard to compare. You know what's crazy though is <sighs> they're well. I don't know if this is going to change. They're like not planning on doing. They're not. They're not planning on doing any more with Zack Snyder, which is dumb in my opinion. But yeah, especially when you see the end. Oh, I don't want to say anything. No, it's don't say anything. It's a treat. Yeah, Superman dies. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he dies. He double dies. Anyway, uh, unsolved, mysteries. unsolved mysteries. Uh, we're covering season five, episode nine, and there's a lot to talk about today. Is there? Uh, is there though? I guess we well, do have a lot, dude. Technically, yes. Dude. There's a lot. <laughs> they they the way that Dan they did structured some research this- on. Uh, Dan did some research Lim- on on the prison break guy, so uh, it, it, we're gonna have some fun. Yeah. Actually, I was lying. I did a bunch of research on the first story. <laughs> I don't think we need any more research on the first. story. Oh my goodness, I got so much gossip. So the yeah, the Give first me the one, deets, uh, girl. To get us started, uh, this David f- tell the story. Then do you actually have some stuff on the first guy, or you're just being a dick? Just being no, a dick. Um. So this first, uh, so to get us started, this episode originally aired November 11th of 1992. Like I said, season five, episode nine. Watch it on Amazon. Uh, uh, YouTube, like, yeah, YouTube's better. The commercials are way less annoying. IMDb um, has it. You don't see a yeah, four minute yeah. commercial for Jimmy John's. The Amazon slash IMDb TV, the commercials get so repetitive. Yeah, they do. They um, play the same ones. Yeah, it's annoying. This first case is a missing persons, but it's it's kind of all who knows hearsay, you know. It's an interesting story. We're gonna be talking about uh, Colonel Charles Shelton, who uh, married his wife Marion in 1951. They have five kids. Happy marriage. In 54, he joins the Air Force and uh, moves up pretty quick. And by 1962, he's sent to Saigon to train some Vietnamese pilots. Three years later. He's flying top secret photo reconnaissance flights over La- uh, Laos. So he's getting into some secret service shit. Well, this is not secret service, but you know. Totally starting to sound like behind enemy lines. 
who's in who's in that movie? That's Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson? Yeah. It's like a nineties movie? Is he uh, 2001. really? Yeah, he he he's like the star. He's the he's the wow. one who's behind said lines. Yeah. Wow. I, don't, I have no idea. The movie starts out with them flying over the over Serbia doing a reconnaissance mission and getting shot down. And that's exactly what happens to our buddy Charles. Uh, uh, that's crazy. He's stationed in Okinawa. Um, he's there for a while. His family even joins him. Uh, but April 26th of 65, he left his house for the last time. He left his family for the last time. April 29th, his plane is shot down over Laos. And apparently it was actually on his birthday. Oh, 33rd really? birthday. Damn. Talk about a shitty birthday. He was only yeah. 33? Isn't that like Jesus age? Oh man. Yeah. That's weird. 34, that he's I think. He was younger than me right now. Hey, you know who else dies uh, when they're at Jesus age? Who? Batman. No, we'll start. <laughs> Superman. Su- Superman. He di- <laughs> well, they say he's 33 in, in Man of Steel, but uh, so I guess he's a little older. Anyway, <laughs> Snyder cast coming soon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's th- uh, his 33rd birthday. Apparently his family was throwing a party for him, even though he wasn't there. And during it, he, uh, his wife is informed that he's been shot down, but apparently they're like, uh, but we know he's alive. So don't worry. Yeah. That's weird. Um, we heard a rumor. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your party. <laughs> rumor has it. Uh, rumor has comes it. out and, <laughs> and delivers the not so nice news. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's, that's Adele, right? <laughs> that is Adele. Um, Rumor has it you ain't got no man anymore. I don't know how the lyrics are. <laughs> you don't got no husband no more. Aww. Aww. No respect for the victims. I'm going to change your name to Sword and Scale Guy. <laughs> God. What's his name? I forgot. It's been so long since I've God, that. God, me fucker. too. Yeah, fuck him. We shouldn't even say his name. Um, so the Americans had made contact with his uh, w- with him on the radio and stuff. Um, and, but before his rescue helicopters could reach him, the weather made it really hard for them to pick anybody up. So apparently he waits for several days and then he's captured, um, by the Pathet Lao. I'm glad that they and, cleared this up because I was so confused when I'm listening to them retell the story. I'm like, how do they know any of this went down? Uh, I wanted to say like, you know, you made a comment about like what hindered the rescue mission was, was weather. And that it wasn't going to be like an easy, easy rescue mission. Yet one of the guy, one of the talking heads, like in the interview, is like, "Well, like if he waited a year, like we could have had him out of there in like five minutes." And he's just like, <laughs> "Like that's kind of like a fucked up comment to yeah. say." Like, well, if he just waited, a if you just waited a year, if he had played uh, done Castaway, and I was, was going to say, it's like, hasn't he ever seen that Tom Hanks movie? Oh, that's so sad. Um, she moves on, and he. Uh, sh- so yeah, she was so- his reason for coming back. <laughs> But it's like, I don't think he like got into his plane that morning. He was like, well, this is a great day to get shot down. Yeah. And so rumor has it that um, the communist forces um, that operated the area carry, carried him off to a prison camp. You know what I loved about that was that he he was like, fuck you guys. I'm not walking. Like, you're going to carry me if you want to take me. So he goes limp. <laughs> and and they said that they the, the there was a story about how the other soldiers thought that that was like a sign of bravery and they respected him for it. And it even says that the captors respected him for it because they were like, well, this fucker doesn't want to go down easy. That's funny. I like well, that. I guess we're going to have to fucking tie him up to a log. Yeah. Um, 
so they tell his wife, Marion, and that he's basically a prisoner of war. And that's when she like starts this like all out like mission. Like her life's goal is to figure out what happens to this guy. She won't believe anything else that anybody tells her. He's a prisoner of war. I hope Jocelyn does that for me if I ever go missing. <laughs> well, the end, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope she could move on unlike this lady. Yeah. So she actually gets all of his personal effects from the military sent to her. This includes his dog tag, his military ID, and all this stuff, which is normally carried by the Air Force personnel at all times. So that's yeah. kind of weird, right? Yeah, like why wasn't he wearing his dog tags? Um, a camera was also found, and when they developed the picture, they, fi- they found him wearing what they called a sanitized uniform, which makes the picture creepy. Apparently, no official insignias, no like uh, nothing indicating what country he's from or you know what airborne or what division or you know. All, all that kind of stuff. Can I interject again? Of course you can. Once again, just like behind enemy lines, <laughs> Owen Wilson is in a flight suit that has no insignias, maybe, no dog tags. This is probably get based on maybe this. they I'm did sure the movie based, based on the story. story. Yeah. yeah, look it up. I, yeah, I did. I did. The, did you Sadly, Wikipedia the movie? Oh fuck yeah, I did. It doesn't say like what it's based on. Uh, it's based on a uh, Bosnia. A uh, conflict in 1995. Wow. Yeah. But kind of crazy. I see how what it, you did there. You, you did an Owen Wilson. Wow. I like it. <laughs> but but it, it's crazy how it does kind of mirror mirror like the instance. But like when Robert Stack was talking about like oh like it was so weird that uh, they returned his dog tags. Like for me, it kind of clicked after they said like. Oh, and in the photograph, he was wearing a scrub suit. It's like, oh well. Yeah, he if he was wearing if he was him. wearing a dog tag in a sterilized suit, they're still going to see the U.S. dog tag and be like, yeah. "Oh, this motherfucker's American." So he wouldn't yeah. have had any of that stuff on him if he's in his. Quote, He'd be completely suit. scrubbed out. According- He'd be a spook. So yeah, you're right. According to the family, I like the way that's professed with that. Prefaced with that. Um, the sanitized suit means that uh, the government didn't want people to know that the U.S. was involved in a war in Laos, and that makes that's that's yeah. that's huge. That's a huge bit of information. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. You know, why would they why would they have unmarked suits like that? If he's wearing this suit and they don't know where he's from, when they have to release the prisoners, why would they release them to go back to the U.S.? Well, ideally, once you work? reach an agreement with a, a nation you're at war with to return prisoners, you generally give them, like, a folder with photographs. So, like, hey, so, like, these are all the people you might have. Right. So, if these faces match, can we have them back? One story that Marion heard was that he was being held in a shallow grave with bars on the top of it. Um, another story claimed that he was being tortured. So January of 1973, Nixon announces that uh, the Vietnam's over. And he announces that within two months, all the POWs would be released. So a few weeks later, the Sheltons learned that uh, Charles was not one of them. Yeah. It is kind of terrible, Dan, that you put the image in my head because now I am thinking about Owen Wilson, and he's such a comedy actor now. Wow! So I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of him in like, it's like a shallow grave. Like, hey, can you stop it, please? Like, I just hey be- guys, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, oh man, Owen Wilson in a sanitized suit. No one's gonna believe that he's 
anything but American. Yeah. Funny thing you say that. I think there is a scene like that in the movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shucks, guys. Where's my brother? This isn't a Wes Anderson movie. Wow. Um, <laughs> I like how we're just like, wow. <laughs> so by April of 73, the Pentagon issues a statement saying that they believe that there are still POWs alive in Southeast Asia. And Marion is convinced that Charles is one of these dudes. Um, so in 73, so that same month, along with the reporter, she travels to Laos. Like she's got like a cute little like safari suit and a scarf. And then they're just like asking, they're just sh- showing townspeople like a picture of a white guy. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's sure. Like, I saw yeah. a bunch of soldiers. I saw that guy. <laughs> I saw him. Saw 50 of them. I- I saw 120 of those guys storm through a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. sure. He, yeah, he was the one that was nice. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, he, he's the one that gave us the candy bar, sure. White, brown hair, yeah. <laughs> Taller than us. High yeah. and tight haircut, yep, yeah. that was him. Yeah. It's almost like they're like uniformed to look the same. You know what would be really sad? If he really was, <laughs> if he really was there and he was just like, God, I just want to start a new life. And he married like an Indonesian woman, like has a new family, and then he sees her like You mean a Vietnamese woman? Oh, were they Vietnamese? I thought they were in Indonesia. Wait, where's Laos? Well, like they kept calling it Laos is Laos, right? Laos uh, is its own country near Thailand. Yeah. So yeah. Also I, near Vietnam. Yeah, it's by Vietnam. So yeah, I was just thinking so, about him being uh starting a new life and seeing his wife and the crew trying to pass his picture along and he's like, Oh shit. Like he sees it happening. He's like, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, Nope. Nope. So the pilot slash guide was also an American operative or an ex American operative. And he was fluent in local dialects. And so they spoke to a bunch of people that, that believe they'd seen Charles, but like we said, who knows? And they said that he'd been, he was being held in a nearby cave, but they found no concrete ever evidence that, you know, Anybody was being held there or there was anything like that. Marion returns home empty-handed, broken-hearted. I think part of her heartbreak, too, was I remember in the beginning of the segment, they say that they were basically their, their high school sweethearts, right? Like, they were loves. Yeah. It was like their only love, and probably that was pretty heartbreaking. Jocelyn always says that I was her, her marriage of love, and if anything ever happens next time, she's marrying for money. <laughs> wise choice I like, so, I like the honest how honest she is I doubt I doubt she's gonna come for me she's just gonna find some rich guy so there's back and forth <laughs> what's that Eli's been missing for six hours ah, he's dead he wanted me to move on does anybody want these records <laughs> <laughs> so over the years there's you know various rumors of where he might be who's holding him and all that kind of stuff but uh, nothing Nothing too concrete until they get uh, through the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, Marion obtains several documents about Charles. And apparently these are credible sources and they state that he was still alive even all these years later um, in 1983, which was 18 years later. Yeah. Several reports said that he attempted to escape multiple times and he was a hard prisoner to keep. Um, one report mentioned that uh, how the Pathet Lao – turned Charles over to the North Vietnamese after being captured and they tried to interrogate him, but he refused to give up any information. And apparently he attacked and killed several North Vietnamese soldiers that had been holding him 
but you know, this also just sounds like a James Bond movie. Again, hearsay. Right. But I mean, these are documents, stories that they, that they hear that she got through the Freedom of Information Act. So it's like, well, where, where are these documents coming from? Right. You know, who, we don't, who we don't filled know out anything. this paperwork? In 1980, Marion, his wife, meets with government officials and tries to convince them that Charles is still alive. She gives them evidence and witness reports that uh, seem to show that he's still alive, but the board determines that he's still considered killed in action. So in 1984, the best that Marion can do is um, change Charles's she, – she's able to get tra- Charles's ch- status changed to prisoner of war, making him the only missing American serviceman from the war not to be listed as presumed dead, which, I mean, you know, no, I mean, like, I guess none of the stories were credible enough, you know, but I mean, by that time, like, dude, why would, what's the point of even right. having him alive? Exactly. Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So through the eighties to the late eighties, Marion's keeps going on several TV shows, keeps talking about how Charles is still alive and the government didn't seem to care. Um, she eventually resorted to alcohol due to the pain of not knowing what happened to him. So after 25 years of trying to figure out exactly what happened to her husband, she committed suicide on October 4th of 1990 <sighs> by shooting herself in the head. Dude, very, very Jesus. so sad. It's crazy that one of their kids became a priest, but it's, I mean, you'd have to, but dude. Yeah. He he reminds me of some actor, some the, of a... the priest. He reminds me of this actor I, from I forget his name. He's, he's Seth in, Rogen. No, he, he's like <laughs> who commented on my post. By the way, that was so cool. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> um, it, Seth, uh, he's he's an actor who's in a bunch of cool low budget horror movies. I can't think of his name. So at the end of this segment, Charles's children are still trying to find out what happened to him, but apparently in 1994, um. At the request of Charles' children, they get the Air Force to change his name from prisoner of war to killed in action. Because it's just, you know, just, you know, they, and then they had like a funeral and, and they, you know, they just wanted to move on, man. They just wanted to put a button on it. Their mom wasn't able to move on. That's so sad. Yeah, it really is. She could have married a hot millionaire. There's another rumor that, that the wiki says, I don't think it said this on, in the episode. Uh, he is believed to have died from disease and malnutrition while in captivity. However, due to the passage of time, his remains are believed to be unrecoverable. A memorial service, like I said, was held at Arlington National Cemetery, where Marion had been buried four years earlier. So like Superman, they buried an empty box. Sorry. I'm sorry that it just keeps coming back to just, <laughs> just have one thing to say. Wow. Dig it up. If you seek his monument, look around you. <clears throat> uh, that was another Batman versus Superman slash Justice League reference. I'm sorry, guys. It's good. Watch it. I, like I said, we spent all last week. We couldn't even do an episode last week. We spent all last week watching. Still on our minds. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is a damn. Fuck. Did we really spend 25 minutes talking about this case? We too? did, just like they did. <laughs> <laughs> just telling the story like they did. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, you're, it'll probably be tightened up a little bit. But it's all right. So the next case is a, a wanted. Dead or alive. Oh, God. Play, you got to play the. Every single time now, you got to play the Guns N' Roses riff. 
No, isn't Bon? Isn't it? Bon, oh, it's Bon Jovi. It's Bon Jovi. It's not Guns N' Roses. Jonathan Bon Jovi, Eli. I collect vinyl, everybody. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you have to like Bon Jovi. Yeah, I'm not a big Guns uh, N' Roses I, fan or a big Bon Jovi fan either. Yeah, so. me neither. I agree with both of those. Uh, I, I was listening to. He was on a podcast. I think it was Conan, and he was really cool. He seems cool, but I still don't like his music. Yeah. He's pretty good in um, John Carpenter Presents Vampires Los Muertos. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know my favorite? Anyway, Wanted. You know my favorite uh, vampire is Dr. Acula. <laughs> <laughs> ah, boo. <laughs> Played by um, Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. You say you got a sore throat, huh? Yeah. Well, I want to eat your throat. Wow. I'm a, I'm a doctor vampire. I'm a doctor vampire. <laughs> doctor Acula. Whatever. No, I'm a doctor vampire. Oh, God. Wanted. Uh, this next case is wanted. Um, Albuquerque, uh, August 1984. Or is that like to call it Albuquerque? Albuquerque. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, so cops getting shot. This is not that fun. But this is kind of a uh, a quick little one, right? Because it's like uh, I, a, no one even really dies. But it's it's interesting how this goes down because uh, – all right. So 10.25 p.m., um, these, cops res- these cops go to a pool hall to uh, talk to this girl who's got like a bad warrant. And, a and, bench warrant. By yeah, the way. And, and we, they we need to. more. We need more pool halls. Let me just say, yeah, we just, that was so cool. Robert Stack is like telling the story in a pool hall, yeah. And those guys are just casually playing pool without sleeves, sm- and you're just like <laughs> a smoky just pool like, hall. How, how do they not like? They're just so cool. Like Robert Stack is right there, yeah. dude. I'm, I'm I'm waiting for Arnold Schwarzenegger to come in naked to beat up the bartender to take his leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Ness himself, I think that's who he played in The Untouchables, was right there. <laughs> Airplanes Robert Stack was right there. Imagine if in an alternate universe, Leslie Nielsen was <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. Well, you know, Leslie Nielsen was a very serious actor back in the day. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking before. of Airplane Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Robert Stack of basketball fame was standing right next to them (laughs) while they're playing pool on an unsolved mysteries satire. (laughs) God, and it's so funny. It was just literally an episode of unsolved mystery. (laughs) It's so funny too. (laughs) Oh, we need to find that clip and play it. That's so funny. (laughs) Uh, I've posted it like years ago. I posted it on the Instagram. I think think it's time to revisit that little clip. Yeah, it's funny. Maybe maybe post it as a story this week. So yeah, these cops show up to this pool hall, to, and uh, one of them gets shot. But see, I, it's the way Unsolved Mysteries tells you stories. They like you know give you a little teaser, and then they get into it. Um, basically, the cop is telling the story, so we know he lot li- we know he lived, we know what the but you know his colleagues did the right thing. Everybody acted fast, and he's alive because of that. So they wanted to question a lady who had a warrant. Um, but they wanted to question her about something else. So that I guess they were just like, you know, we could take you to jail. You can answer our questions. You know, they were trying to get something out of there. But they were going to go deliver this warrant to her. They were told she hung out at Gary's game room. That's the pool hall, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Not to be confused with mm-hmm. Gary's gay room, which is down the street. 
Yeah, yeah, which is like the most unimaginative gay bar <laughs> yeah. uh, in all of town. How dare you say that about Gary? He was a pillar of Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. Albuquerque. <laughs> so the two cops, um, Webb and Foley, Victor Webb being the one who gets shot, go together to serve the warrant. They walk toward the back of the bar uh, into a dark hallway where there's a guy who immediately points a gun at them and demands their weapons. They kind of panic. The guy, the guy says like how how he's like, "Well, I never thought this would actually happen to me." The cop, and he's like, he's like, "I knew one thing. I didn't want to die at the game room." <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me die and, at this gay room. <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, sorry, not game the gay room. room. Sorry, game room. <laughs> I, that sounds like I where I young man. That where <laughs> that's where we'd go to die. I'd want to die at the game room. The yeah, game sounds room sounds like a great time. <laughs> I definitely know he wouldn't have died at the gay room because his hairdo, man, his sideburns ran for the hills. They were nowhere to be seen. He would definitely not be welcome at the gay room. But this no was nineteen ninety two. Yeah. So Webb was wearing a bulletproof vest vest, but he gets shot in the side, like perfectly between his back and front plate of his vest. Um and then they start firing at – and then so they, like, leave the hallway and they they keep firing at each other through the wall. Um, a bullet gets Webb in his right arm in a really bad place, fucks up some nerves, and pretty much ruins his shooting hand. He actually has to drop the gun. <laughs> A.K.A. Um, his dick hand. Yeah. His <laughs> – so the suspect picks up Webb's gun and uh, shoots his way out of there and then he escapes – they're able to find out pretty quickly his name is Lyle Mooney. He was a paroled armed robber, and uh, he had a record that stretched back 17 years. Do you have a 17-year record, Eli, Mr. Record Collector? I do not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. 17 years. That's a great album by <laughs> by uh, Block Party. <laughs> Just kidding. I think that was 2004, so that's not quite 17 yet. Ratatat. <laughs> yeah, great album by Ratatat. Okay, it's a song by Ratatat, but that's the pretty strokes. close. I got the strokes. That's 17 years. The strokes years. have a song named Ratatat. Name 17 years is a great song. It starts off with, man, I've been rapping for 17 years and nothing, nothing's original. Nothing gets me anymore. And then it goes. Actually, sorry, I thought you were talking about a 17-year-old record. 17-year-old oh, no. record was the one that came out in 2004. So, yeah, Block Party, 2004, that, that dropped. Oh, wow. So did the album Ratatat by Ratatat. Si- Silent Alarm. Ratatat has a song called 17 Years on their album Ratatat that came out 17 years ago. Thank you, Synchronicity. Good night. Oh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Really? It came out in 2004. Oh, dude. It came out on 420, 2004. I'm going to totally jam that album. 420? That's, that's a really good album. Of all I, I, I listen to Ratatat while I'm reading, and that first album is great. Dude, I actually forgot about Ratatat. I know they are. That was right around that like New York grunge. There was like a new, there was like a New York grunge wave, you know what I'm talking about, that like emerged in that, that time frame. Yeah, all, all oh, no. Ratatat's just like electric with one guitar. It, it's it's good. It's got a very distinct sound. No but it was like that. That it was a part of that. Ratatat definitely rode that indie wave. Oh yeah, for sure. They're definitely yeah. I've liked them since like I was like a teenager. Um, and they still make stuff, but those first couple albums have a very distinct sound. Very cool. 
Uh, anyway, so yeah, Lyle Mooney is the guy who shoots at him. Uh, like, oh, we already said that. <laughs> 17 year record. <laughs> okay, that's how we got there. And apparently, you know, it's funny is the lady that they were looking for had already been arrested. It wasn't even there. Um, and it, just was still, it was just still in the system. They just uh, hadn't like cleared her from the system. So what does the system automatically know GPS? Like, oh, she's at this pool hall. We need to go right now. No, no, like <laughs> no, like, like a, a, another like informant was like, oh, this person tends to hang out here. So uh, yeah, like like, like they there. showed a warrant, but she was already in jail for it. But like the, it just hadn't like the been processed. If only they had checked the records. Yeah. So Lyle Moody um, goes on the run. He's spotted in Las Lunas, New Mexico. Then he's spotted in Oxnard, California. And then he's spotted in Montebello, Colorado. And that last Colorado sighting was the last time that they saw him at the time of this segment. And that was March of 85. Wow. Um, He doesn't actually get arrested for 18 years. 18 years he was on the run. 18 years after that. Yeah, he gets arrested and – he gets sentenced to 12 years, only serves six. And he so was arrested in New York City. Yep. He was arrested February 22nd of 2002. Any more details on like how? Yeah. He was arrested for criminal trespassing. Uh, Moody gave police the alias of Fred uh, Dairden. And uh, he almost got off with it, except for they went ahead and Scooby decided Doo. Scooby to- and the kids. I would have sorry. gotten away with it if it hadn't been for. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Was totally those meddling kids. <laughs> Actually, what ended up getting him pinched was they decided to fingerprint him, and the fingerprints <laughs> popped up. Oh, oh nice! <laughs> those pesky fingerprints, man. Every so time. yeah, like, like apparently the cop was like, eh, you know, they they weren't uh, they weren't a hundred percent sure when they nabbed him. And I guess so like a detective was like, let's just go ahead and fingerprint and <clears throat> Yeah, they're like that name sounds weird. It's like Frank Deerden. It's like there's like a he was eating a hot dog and there was a deer walking behind him. Yeah. Deer when he got arrested. <laughs> I got a Frank in my hand and there's a deer behind me. Frank Deerden. <laughs> the last name even ends with a question mark. You're like it, is is that how you spell it? Sir? Yes, sir. That, that's a question mark. And it's that's, French. That's the it's French. That's how you. That's how you pronounce it. What's your here? social? Seven. <laughs> missing some numbers here, sir. Oh shit! Gotta go. Um. So next case is a ha- also another. Have you seen this guy? And we're gonna be talking about. Uh, this is a I'm technically. Sorry. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we said that while we were recording. No, um, but we, I mean, we kind of did, but <laughs> how we were just like, well, it's the main case about the Vietnam Vietnam uh, POW, and then it's a bunch of a bunch of this guy. What about this guy? guy? <laughs> what about this guy? Guess who? <laughs> hey, this guy. This guy called and saw some shit. Have you I'm going to show guy? you a bunch of mug shots from a bunch of different people. They've all been arrested, and they're currently released. Have you seen them? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of giving you a headshot, we're just going to give you a photo of a dried apple that was baked. <laughs> it kind of looks like an old face. Um, you tell us. This next guy This next guy is a peach, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's, talking to, he's talking to teens about staying out of jail. And Ain't boy, no Burger does, King for you. And no boy, Dairy does this Queen. guy. No McDonald's. Do you, do you think this that's, is it. Do you think that's Slop. What he, Slop and sludge. 
Slop and sludge. Do you think that's like when he got the idea when he was saying that to the kids? Like, there is no Dairy Queen or, or Burger King or McDonald's. He's like, what the huh, fuck am I doing the- here? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> oh, by that time, he had tried to escape a bunch of times already, though. Oh, yeah. He's this like, guy was fucking. <laughs> Listen, but he's like, if any of you can like, help me escape like, you know right what? now, I got 500 bucks <laughs> in my commissary. Like, I will transfer it to you right now if you help me out of here. <laughs> no McDonald's, but you know what this prison does have? My inmate newspaper, written by me. Pick up your copies at the gift shop. I'm trying to run a business here, kids. Is this kind of like, it kind of like reminds me of, uh, what is that, Scared Straight, where they get all those troubled teen kids and they bring them in there and they try to scare the shit out of them. Oh, man. Oh, totally. Dude, I remember when we were kids, my brother and I, once a year, we would somehow catch the like 2 a.m. airing of all the like 13-year-olds who like bang. (laughs) And do drugs, and their moms take them to like the prison, and they get like, and they all cry. I remember my brother and I catching like multiple. If you want to episodes of that, if you want to keep banging, doing drugs, you're gonna go in here, and you're gonna get banged by an inmate, and you're gonna do drugs. (laughs) It was was always like you could still do drugs though. It was always like thirteen year old girls that were like dating thirty year olds. Where was Chris Harrison when you need him? (laughs) Where's what? Where was Chris Harrison when you need him? Well, no, Chris Harrison. What's his? No, that's not his name. His name was uh, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. <laughs> Chris yeah. Harrison's the dude that does The Bachelor. <laughs> oh, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm talking oh, about Chris man. Hansen. Have a seat. Yeah, Chris Hansen. Yeah, <laughs> what did yeah. you mean when you said you wanted to uh, suck on sausage? <laughs> Hey, 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 my parents. Hey, I'm just taking a shower. I'll be right in. Just have some crackers. Don't mind the cameras. <laughs> Did you bring any condoms? <laughs> that's oh, terrible. God. <laughs> that That's what they would do. That though, is right? what they would do. Oh, They'd bring God. A, a six pack of wine coolers. <laughs> they'd always bring the sweetest, booziest thing. Oh, fucking uh, pieces of shit. If it man. was now, it'd be White Claw. <laughs> they they all de- like they for sure all deserve it. They deserved like that. Even I, I would even say maybe that even that level of humiliation. Oh, is probably well deserved. But it's just it is exploitative garbage TV. But fuck. Yeah, oh, but it was fun, fun to watch. watch. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway, yeah. So this next case is Prison Break uh, Special Alert. We're talking about Richard Lee McNair. Um. Oh shit. Yeah. Did I already say his name? Yeah. He, he he did what we were what started our rant was that he was a model prisoner who presented crime prevention programs for local teens and that's when he was yelling about fast food like it, that's the end all be all for outside society and it's funny that is, he uh, identified with teenagers like that's what they wanted the most like fast food it's like there's no fast food here yeah you, you don't want to be here <laughs> it's like the 90s yeah there's no safe by the bell. <laughs> no boy meets world. None of that. If no you, TGIF. If you like Slater and Blizzards, this place isn't for you. <laughs> Fucking Slater and Blizzard. Mickey Mouse Club, more like open your hole, bub. <laughs> Brings a whole new meaning to scared straight. Oh my <laughs> god. Right. Uh. 
It's like, do you like going to class? How about dicks in your ass? <laughs> like, God, it's not even trying. Like, <laughs> oh my god! This is very obvious. God. I love, I love how we made a kind of a boring episode. Kind of probably one of our oh. most fun that we but, recorded. Anyway, rape in prisons is a very serious thing, and it's. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it's really is a serious thing that's not good. And but I mean, yeah. I'm not going to begin how you can change that, but, um, yeah. Uh, they're going to institute some programs. Man. I'm sorry. I thought we turned it into, like, a rhymey thing. <laughs> you like going to class? <laughs> I still love I still love a dance. If you like. Well, you don't like going to class? Oh, dicks in your ass. Dan said, "If you like some later and blizzards, <laughs> you want to be here. That's my Saturday morning. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> boy meets TGIF. There's no Alf here. You like Bobby's world? Well, in jail, Bobby's a girl. <laughs> okay, I'm running out of steam." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good, good. I can't. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck. My rib cage hurts. Ugh, sorry. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> we haven't even gotten past like anything. Oh, my God. So like I said, I made a joke. He he did run the, the inmate newspaper. He was polite. Everyone that worked there liked him. Um. Apparently, he tries his first prison ba- break in 1991. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let me tell you a little story about my boy. Prior to his uh, tango with the law, he was a sergeant in the Air Force. Oh, we're backing up. And ended up getting nicked by the by the man when, uh, in November of 1987, while attempting a burglary in North Dakota, McNair's was surprised by two men and murdered one of them. McNair's murder... Of Jerry Thighs occurred at a grain elevator. So so he was robbing a grain elevator. I don't know what he was robbing. Or why he was there. Probably stealing grain. What am I thinking? Oh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, a Quiet Place. Where the kid falls into the grain silo. Oh, yeah. Isn't that what happens? And it's like all, he's like fucking drowning in the yeah. grain. It's terrifying. Really scary. Oh, so, And he can't like do anything. Yeah, if he moves, it's just. You ever seen that movie? It's good. So at at the the time of this, at at the time of the crime, he was a uh, he was a sergeant in the Air Force, and uh, he actually surrendered himself with a concealed handgun. When police called McNair in for questioning, he showed up with a concealed handgun and was like, "Well, here you go, you got me." And so they took him into custody. Well, while he was in custody, he uh, used the lip balm that he had stashed in his pocket to grease up his hands and wiggle his hands outside of the handcuffs no and way. fucking bolted from the municipal police station, which resulted in a foot chase throughout downtown and ended with him going up a three three flights of stairs to a roof of a building where he was cornered. Well, he didn't want to be taken, so instead of just accepting the fact that he was arrested, he was like, you know what? 
I'm going to make a leap of faith and jump into this tree that's what next the to the building and, uh, you know, escape that way because all the cops that were chasing him were on the roof. Well, when he jumped into the tree, the tree branch broke and he fell to the ground and injured his back, thus making it easy to capture him. Oh. So what you're saying is he's always been a slippery fucker. Oh, fuck yeah. Like right out of the gate. Like, I mean, not even not even processed, processed yet. And he's already like. He's literally slippery. <laughs> so that's his first escape. And that, th- oh, okay. And so that's before he's in, and then in 1987, he shoots the guy at the grain silo and then he's in prison, prison, right? No, like that's, that's prior. So like he shoots the dude, he goes to the cops cause they want to question him. They, they put him in handcuffs and he's like, nah, not today. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, no, sorry. It's more like Benny Hill. So, yeah. So, you got the whole Benny Hill thing. He falls out of the tree. They arrest him. They charge him. He's found guilty. He goes to jail. Real jail. And then that's when then he Then he escapes. That's when he does. And then Unsolved Mysteries says he tries in 91 and it's bad. It, it, like, it goes, yeah, he's immediately caught. But then in 1992, in October 92, him and two other in- inmates escape through what they called the education room, which I'm, I'm assuming is, you know, where they all got their, their GED It's probably just a GED factory in there, you know? Yeah. They just, um, they just whipped it out GEDs left and right. Yeah. There just, for the no, it's just, no, I'm just, just learning. <gasps> oh learning. man. That, that dot matrix printer's gotta be worn out. Dude, but with the little, with the circles, like the little circles on the, yeah, man. With the That's perforated good. edges. Oh, yeah. Oh, so satisfying. It was, a temp- away. it was a temple of learning. All the street smarts <laughs> so turning much, into book smarts. That's good. So That's a good place. Smarts. So they jump into the vent. They go from one vent to a second vent system. That and this- sounds a lot more like street smarts right there. <laughs> yeah, well, they're using both. So they get to a second vent they system. They use the books to get into the air vent is what you're saying. So one vent leads to the second vent system, and that vent system leads them to uh, the rooftops. Um, and so they're crawling over rooftops and barbed wire. They get to the second roof um, when uh, um, some one of the security guards hears boots on the roof, pretty much. Like he hears feet. Um, so they knew exactly – they knew pretty much, you know, as before they could escape, they knew that they were trying to escape. Um, the two other guys that were with McNair get caught. Um, within, I think within the day, the first one is captured within hours and the other one is captured the next day. Okay. And then McNair is peace out. Um, he's gone and that's where this ends, right? They, um, they tell us that he might have stolen a nineties light blue Chevy pickup truck because it went missing from the plumbing place that was two miles from the prison. Yeah. We never hear Um, any more about that. And they actually just wait. Maybe they say maybe he's headed to Washington state where he's got a girlfriend or possibly Oklahoma where his family is. And after that, they mention they talk about, they talk a little bit about the 87 original crime that he, they just say that he killed a guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a big old D and unsolved mysteries just tells us, yeah, he was arrested and now he's serving two life sentences. That's all they give us. Yeah. But I know Dan has more. So he wasn't actually headed to Oklahoma like they suspected. And in reality, they discovered the truck that he had used to escape abandoned in Phoenix, Arizona. 
And it was the plumbing truck? It was the plumbing truck. So he did steal the plumbing truck. Confirmed. Yes. In 1993, he was finally arrested when he tried to break into a car dealership in Grand Island, Nebraska. Oh, yeah. So he spent spent most of his time running around the U.S. with stolen vehicles. And he remained free for 10 months until he was eventually busted for that... uh, that car heist. So yeah, he hadn't gone to Canada. That's another update. Oh, <laughs> there's two updates. Well, yeah. After he gets caught, they take him back and they decide to transfer him to a maximum security prison where the likelihood of him escaping is a lot less. Okay. He makes a request to transfer to a different prison, citing that it's closer to Oklahoma where his parents that are old getting older and older mm. and older by the day so aren't we all so they tra- so they transfer him <laughs> to this prison and and in reality like the the notes say like the the mild like the difference between the prison that he was at to the other one was like it 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 made no sense but Ugh. they did it anyway and after being what? at that facility hold up after being at that facility for a little while he Figured out, like, yeah, I'm not going to get out of this fucking place. So he transfers to another prison. I don't know how he manages to pull it off, but he gets transferred to another prison. Same thing. Spends about four to eight months there trying to figure out how to get out. And he's like, not going to happen. So he, like, keeps getting changed to different prisons. Yeah, he gets so transferred to figure through, out one. He basically, gets, he just keeps getting transferred to ch- case the joint, right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So he finally gets transferred to this uh, other prison where he sees an opportunity by working in their manufacturing department. And what the prisoners did at this prison is they repaired uh, worn out mail sacks. And what he did. <laughs> I'll give you a mail sack. <laughs> there's, is he, there's a really he, crude joke in there. <laughs> I'm not going to go Built for it. on a pallet. Mail sacks. An escape mm. pod. That had an air breathing hose underneath the pallet so he could breathe air. And basically he got into this giant sack and had a <laughs> bunch of repaired mail sacks stacked on top of it. Mm. And then they shrink wrapped the pallet and then moved it out onto the loading dock, which was past security. And then once security went to their normal lunch break, he just used the knife that he had stashed in the escape pod, cut himself out Oof. and left. He cut himself out of a mail sack. That sounds Here's where it gets fucking crazy. <laughs> it's already so he crazy. Knew, <laughs> he got they, they they suspected that he was put out on the patio at 9:45 a.m. and they didn't discover he was missing until 11 a.m. He had a window, a potential window before they discovered like the maximum amount of time before they discovered that he was um, able to escape would have been 4 p.m. when they did the next head count. So they issue a warning to all the police in the area that a possible inmate has escaped with his description. A police officer stops him while running along some train tracks, and he gives him some bullshit story about how he's a roofer in town to help build roofs for Katrina victims. What? The police officer fucking buys it and oh, sends him on his way. No way. Oh. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat right Was now. Was he like in the jumpsuit? 
I don't know. He's a he roofer. Making... He probably just like put that shit around his waist or something. I did. Yeah, yeah, so he like said, I just story. got cut out of a male sack right now. <laughs> just so like, just <laughs> I've been in a male sack for a while. So yeah, like like the police and officer said, like, Who feel like I'm being born all over again. When, when the police officer was interviewed, he said that he suspected that it might have been him, but the problem was was the photograph that the police department pushed was six months old and was very low res. And the description in like the the byline of like, you know, height, weight, eye color, and all that did not even match his description. It's amazing. Just a roofer running along some tracks. You know, <laughs> in how, a bright orange jumpsuit. Kind of says prisoner number one nine eight two seven six. Right. You know how roofers do that thing where they like just walk to where they're doing roof because they don't need a equipment or a, a vehicle to carry said equipment or you know how they Katrina. just, just run, a, Katrina. run along train tracks because there's a hurricane wherever <laughs> roofers needed it'll be there so anyway he escapes and he spends like the next year bouncing back and forth between canada and the u.s in fact, he spends so much time in Canada that he actually decides, you know what? I like it here. I might buy property. And the only reason why he doesn't buy property is because the property he was looking at only had a single road in and out of it, and it was just too suspicious. No, that's what you want, right? That's what <laughs> well, you he want was thinking in the sense road. like if he got caught, there would be only one way to get in and out, so therefore he'd be fucked. Well, he could have made an escape route, but whatever. I digress. I'm not a criminal. So, so yeah. So ultimately, you, you're Eli's rooting for him. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm impressed. To be honest, yeah, I'm impressed too. by this guy. <laughs> if he didn't actually murder a guy at some point, I'd be real proud of him. So ultimately, you're not proud, but I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, what ends up being his downfall is while he's bouncing in and out of Canada, he's been stealing vehicles. Ugh. And one morning, he's parked at a beach, and some cops run some plates on the car that he's in and realize it's been reported stolen and decide to ask him about it. As soon as he gets out of the car, he fucking bolts. <laughs> Idiot. Just could have been yeah. free. Oh, oh th this car stolen? I'm out. Bye. <laughs> like, nope, 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 nope. So ultimately he was captured by uh, two cadets just out of, uh, out of the academy, like a month or two out. Mounties? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, they're Canadians. So. Well, Mounties are more like their like border sheriffs. patrol. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Doesn't, gee, I'm really sorry, eh? I got to take you in. What's the movie where <laughs> Brendan really Fraser is a Mountie? You. Can't you picture Brendan Fraser as a Mountie? What movie is, is it, that? It was, it was a movie. <laughs> yes. It was a, where he was. God, what was it? Brendan Fraser. Are you, do you, uh, uh, is, I'm glad that you. I'm glad this isn't a fever dream. <laughs> Brendan Fraser in, in the red on a fucking horse. Deadly do right. <laughs> There it what? is. He was. I don't even think I've seen that movie. Right. You know what's I funny is I just poster. saw a bumper sticker today on a meme that said it was a bumper sticker on a car that said 
Deadly Dish. Honk? Right? No, it would said honk if you'd rather be watching The Mummy with Brendan Fraser right now. I saw that meme. <laughs> you know what's funny is Dan and I went to, uh, was it Universal? And we did The Mummy ride. And at the end, it's like, it's like you join Brendan Fraser backstage while they're On making set. a mummy movie. And by, and by this point, it's fine. not 94, but by, <laughs> by this point, it's nearly 20 years old. And Brendan Fraser's like, oh, nice to see you there. Oh, yeah, you know, we're just making we're just making the mummy. And then in walks the actress who's not uh, Rachel Weiss because uh, she only plays the wife in the first mummy. And you're just like, what, what is this? Like, we don't need this <laughs> end. We don't need Brendan Fraser sitting, it's a ride. sitting on his director's chair being like, did you have fun, guys? You like, know what's oh, really yeah. sad? Is I'm Brendan in my mummy costume. <laughs> is, is that ride probably – that's where Brendan Fraser lives? <laughs> and that's actually Brendan Fraser? It's live. That's it's actually him. a live shot He's like, every every, <laughs> every single ride, he's like, fuck, I got to do this again. <laughs> he's like, he's stuck hey, guys, there. I'm here till eternity because I'm Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Um, Little do you know, just out of frame, he's standing barefoot in a, like a kiddie pool of salt water with a 12-volt battery. Yeah. He's like, waiting to be plugged in. <laughs> I love Brendan Fraser. He, he's had it rough. Well, he's he's had a bad oh, rep. Oh, wait, that's Disney. My you know bad. what I think? He, he's had a bad rep lately, but he's he actually is in the Doom Patrol on HBO Max, and they made him the fucking robot like I he think literally has a fucking steel mask on i don't even think he plays the body i think he just goes in and does the voice <laughs> you know what you know what i would watch right now oh, he's good. is a encino man sequel with him Polly shore and sean astin where it resurrects all their careers just fucking just Hey, Jump leave starts Sean Astin alone sean astin is great he doesn't need a career you're right he doesn't he doesn't but the rest of them do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, Paulie Shore, yeah, he's. I don't. He's not doing anything. Sean well, Astin. He's trying to get. I, he's I feel trying like Sean to Astin's get. Sean Astin's one of those dudes who makes a lot of his money off of uh, uh, cons. So, yeah. But at the same time, he probably is also one of those dudes that never needs to do any of that. Again he's also he living Lord off of the that, Rings, like Lord of the Rings, movies. Stranger Things money. Like, yeah, Goonies. Come that on, Goonies money. <laughs> that, that, that that Rudy his, money. His <laughs> Explorers money. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> his. In, like we said, Encino Man money. <laughs> the one movie where oh, have you seen that movie with him and Will Wheaton, and like Russians take over their military school? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to see it. I'm a fan of Sean uh, Astin. I think it's called Toy Soldiers. Dude, the kid. Okay, so. Let's watch that. Let's watch that. The kids like, were so sad. And then talk about it. When Sean Astin's character died in Stranger Things. Oh, dude. What's his name? D- did you sh- ever show them Super 8, you piece of shit? Yeah, we did. We did, actually. Did they love it? Yeah, they loved it. And then they also loved. Um, what's the other one you told us to watch that we totally watched? The Hardy Boys? No, it wasn't The Hardy Boys. It was another science fiction movie or science fiction show. Lost in Space? We did watch Lost in Space. They liked that. There was another one where the guy in the beginning, the house catches on fire. Oh, wait. The one with Jack Black? No, it wasn't with Jack Black. 
The house catches on. Yeah, that. it's a series, and the the first episode, the first scene. Oh, Lock and Key. Lock, Lock and, and key. key. Yes, Joe they Hill. Liked Lock and Key. Did yes. you see it? Yeah, we watched Lock and Key also. You watched the whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, the the comic is like that, but fucking gory. So I'm kind of glad that they, you know, because it is pretty. It's so magical, you know, the keys and the. And you know what's weird is that I've never shown my kids any of the It series, but. F- I don't know how they knew Georgie. They, they knew, knew they knew. they know Pennywise. They're oh. like always talking about Pennywise. They're like, oh yeah, Pennywise. That's the, the clown. I'm like, how do you know? I thought you're going to say that because uh, the little boy who plays uh, Bodie in Lock and Key is Georgie from It. No, they didn't. They didn't make that. They they don't. They've never seen It. I'm telling Aloha. you. I don't know how <laughs> they know about. They know about. I kind of wish Andy Machete would do a full like PG edit. Or maybe like a PG thirteen yeah. edit, you know. Well, Addy- you know what's funny is 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 I showed my uh, cousins, my little cousins. Uh, Samuel was thirteen, and the and uh, Milena was like twelve, and Samuel was like under his covers, fucking like. But that's a good. That's a good out, age. And the girl, the girl was like, "Bring it on!" That's a good age. And then and then fucking and then the grandpa came in and like kind of ratted me out to the mom. Oh. <laughs> but she she knew she knew we were showing them it. And Carlos was being a jerk. He didn't want he, he like he wants all the cool stuff for himself. So he didn't even want like Samuel and Melina to like see it. Uh, you know, I was like, yeah, you're a jerk. Whatever, it's fine. I was like, these are movies you need to see at this age. Like, I you know, I mean, like, dude, this this even if it's I a little watched, scary, the stuff that I watched at such yeah. a young age, I'm like, why did my parents let me watch this stuff? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I remember Alon's mom was was like she'd show him the horror movies, but they'd have they'd be like ridiculous. Like he was very well versed in like Chucky, Leprechaun, and Freddy Krueger. Oh, that's another thing. Maddox was like all of a sudden talking about Chucky and like Chucky the doll. I'm like, how do you know about Chucky? Like, <laughs> there's it's so funny. Did they- you see that? Did you see the new Chucky? No, I haven't seen any of that. But my kids have apparently. <laughs> You you never seen the original? Yeah, I've seen the original, but like not the new one. The new one is awesome, dude. It's mad Stranger Thingsy, but it is bloody. I wouldn't show the kids. Maybe no. no, I'm gonna wait. But But, uh, Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill is the voice of Chucky, and it's and Aubrey Plaza's the mom, dude. It kicks ass. I'm waiting. I'm I'm I'm. Well, don't show the kids. You watch it. It's on Hulu. I'll watch Watch it. it. I'll definitely watch it. It's great. You'll have like, I, I yeah. I think it's a perfect example of a good reboot. Um, it's got a great sense of humor. Well, which is what you want with Chucky movies. Chucky is essentially Alexa. Because he's it, a doll. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. It's awesome. It, it kicks ass. Uh, I was just reading up on the prison where McNair now lives. Guys. So do we say that he – oh, yeah. So he's serving two life sentences, finally arrested, right? Yeah, he's now housed at the ADX, which is like – the Fort Knox of prisons, the supermax of the supermax. If you're staying there, like you have no human interaction at all. God, it's not like he even <clears throat> did like. No, know. just because he fucking escapes so much. You're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, try to escape out of this prison that's three quarters underground. And the only way to get from your cell to the recreation area is by 
mechanically operated corridors. And if you decide you don't want to go forward, it forces you to go back to your cell. What do you think? So I got a, just a quick segment. Segway. What do you think about like other countries that do prisons where they try to rehabilitate inmates and the way that we do prisons in the U.S. where we basically keep them in confined cages? Well, it, it's it, interesting. It's, it's a two-step scenario. Like, well, what's what's the guy that last podcast is last podcast on the left has been covering this serial killer? Um, he's the guy who did you see if you, if you saw the Elisa Lamb documentary? That the pretty exploitative Lisa Lamb documentary. He he's the guy who uh, they say was a German serial killer who just fucking got on a plane and started murdering people in L.A. Um, his name was uh, Jack Unterweger, and Jack Unterweger was a convicted serial killer. He was convicted of murder in Germany, and he was he would write, and he was such a good writer that they. One, with one interview, they decided that he was cured and they let him back into the world because he was a respected writer and a novelist. He wrote God. a book called Purgatory. Which is basically his confession. It's called it, The book is like called Purgatory slash My Time in Prison or whatever. And it like got all these awards. So they just like, yeah, they just let him go. And people respected him. And people wouldn't admit like that people kept dying around him. And then he went to L.A., kills people and then he comes back and he's murdering people and then the german police or no sorry i think he's uh, he was austrian the austrian police were like what the fuck come on like it's got to be him right like you know he's yeah. this well-respected guy now but he's murdered before it's got to be him and then they call la and they're like hey this is his mo and they're like we got three people that are dead three women that match his mo <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like so in this case in the eighties or whatever, I would say that the rehabilitation was not uh, didn't work good, at least in uh, Austria. <laughs> but what about now? Do you think do you think people can be saved from cured from from murder? Yes, no. Like the the whole situation no. with the, with the whole philosophy with like using prison reform to rehabilitate prisoners. It can work and it won't work. And the reason why I say it can work is, you know, it, it, it can be done, but it won't work because until you address the situation that, that is causing that behavior, a hundred percent, you're just going to have repeat offenders. It's the same thing with gun, gun, gun violence. You can pass yeah. as many gun laws as you want, but until you make it a point to where like guns are no longer cool, you're still going to have that same issue. I agree. Uh, but it's, it's like smoking, you know, like why can't we do like smoking in the 1990s? All of a sudden smoking was bad. So we did press campaigns to make smoking so fucking uncool. But I mean, I guess McNair is not a great example because it's not like he's like a fucking rapist murderer. You know, I feel like he killed the person he killed was like out of like necessity. Not that it's right. It's terrible. It's wrong. Fuck him. But I'm just saying like, I don't think he's like, necessarily it wasn't like a serial killer it wasn't premeditated it was a burglary gone wrong and a set of circumstances that played out in a very unfortunate events essentially if he wasn't such a slippery samuel i guess yeah the reason i asked that is just because he was in this maximum facility prison only because he would escape i'm sure if he wasn't such a slippery samuel he would have like got off on parole you know 
In, in all honesty, like you know how I said, like his first escape was when he was questioned. He'd about probably the be murder. out right now asking Alexa. Slippery Samuel's he would have been out. Yeah, yeah, he'd be asking Alexa to dim the lights in sex mode. But no, no, he had to be like, oh, he he had to be the greased up deaf guy from Family Guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just covered in lip balm. Yeah, <laughs> that'd um, be my lip balm. Yeah, so two life sentences for this guy, which is kind of. Seems like overkill. I don't know. Actually, fuck it. He did murder someone. We don't really know but all the specifics. One life for two life sentences? Like, that's... Well, all the attempted murder. I mean, all the attempted breakouts and stuff. All right, we have one more quick case, which is this unexplained death. No, let's discuss this. <laughs> oh, I just I just thought it was forever. important. I, I thought it would be a good good point. A good, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point to ask Before you question, go into that next so. story, if you ever want to trip out, look up that documentary on the adx on discovery channel it will blow your mind oh yeah so this next case is an unexplained death and it's about this um poor girl named rebecca young and it's really kind of an interesting mystery so rebecca young um was murdered but the the story plays out in a an interesting way um may 1st of 1991 an unknown eyewitness who the police believe might have been of Cuban descent. Um, what he called the police and he described what Stack describes as a violent scene. That's such, that was so, what's the word? I can't even think of the word. Vague? No, that was, uh, when you like say the same thing and like redundant, redundant, like jacket coat. <laughs> <laughs> or cash money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate it when my dad says that. Oh, yeah, I'll give you 20 cash money. Uh, He's not Melly? (laughs) Dad, when did you become a rapper? (laughs) In rupees. (laughs) Gave you rupees. So uh, the caller describes a violent scene, um, and he pretty much says that he was hunting illegally in a sugarcane field for rabbits, I think, when a car came up – in the sugarcane field and parked. And, uh, there was a, there was a lady who was talking to a man. She called Ricardito and Ricardito, um, started to argue with her about a drug thing. And she was saying that she didn't have the money yet. And, um, she was also saying, Ricardito, don't kill me. And it's very scary shit. Like, dude, like, please don't kill me. Ricardito. Um, and then he killed her, apparently, right? Uh, does he shoot her? Does he, he stabs her, right? I think he I, shoots her. I know. He gets sure. out of his truck with a giant machete. Ugh. So maybe decapitation or some I dismemberment? Like vague, I don't but know. There's, but there's no gunshot. Um, he killed her. Which is odd because homeboy hiding in the fucking in, in the brush with his gun could have totally... Stop! Totally stopped this. But, Bullets versus machete. Just but saying. he didn't know what was going on. He thought maybe. I don't know. Just saying, bullet versus machete. Honestly, I mean, you're right, but dude, in those situations, like I don't know. I feel like I would be the worst. I would like. I remember there was this one time. I'll never forget this one time where, um, I was we we were I used to work at this restaurant and we were stopped at this Dollar General. And there was this baby in a cart and they had like, they had the thing sitting on the cart, right? Like, like 
they had like the baby carrier sitting on the cart. Yeah. And they go and then they roll out and the baby, like the cart just flips over and this little, I just baby like pretty much falls on its head, Ugh. like on the, on the concrete. And I was like, and I just, dude, I was like there for like 30 seconds. Like, <sighs> yeah, like, like what are I you didn't do? fucking call now and one or anything. And I was just like, uh, the baby was okay. The baby, I don't know. Was vomiting. The baby, the baby threw up a little. Probably had awful. a concussion. It was awful. But uh, I don't know if the baby was okay. But the thing, the moral of this awful story is about me and how, and that's selfish as fuck. No, it's not. But it, <laughs> the moral it, of the story but, is all about me. But no, at the same it, time, though, no. I, this I, guy came up to me and he's like, what happened? I was like, the baby fell. And he's like, did you call 911? And I was like, it's like no. Why would you and call 911? You're not the parent. By this, like, time, by this time, this guy was already on. I, I don't know. I just felt that I just froze in panic. No, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, well, I. No, I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it's not my baby. First of all, second of all, I'm I'm an employee here. Like, I oh no, this was at the Dollar General on our way to work. That would have been awful if I was an employee there. I would have oh. been way more responsible. <laughs> um, I thought you were working there. Oh no, no. Yeah. But dude, even then, dude, even if I was don't working put there, your baby. Like, the way they had the baby was not smart. But god damn it, it, it really freaked me out. Ozzy, Ozzy didn't see the, the like, cause Ozzy was taking me to work. He didn't see the impact. He didn't see the hit and he was less affected by it, but it really like shook me up. Yeah. Obviously if you're talking about it right now, it fucking shook Yeah. Like you. fucking almost 10 years later, <laughs> actually probably just about 10 years later now. Yeah. But I don't know. The reason I brought that up was just like, you know, when something happens, you're just like, you don't, I, there's no way to gauge how you're going to respond. Exactly. Not everybody's going to be fucking Kiefer Sutherland stopping on the road because it looks like someone's beating up an old lady. No, hundred percent. And I've been in those situations too, where I think I'm going to step in, I'm going to be a badass. And you're like, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I want to live to see the next day. So it is annoying that he was, he has a gun, but, you know, he, he says that he laid, you know, he just didn't want to get killed himself. So he just like kept low and wait, waited for it to blow over. Essentially. He, he also wanted to see what happened. I'm sure he wanted to see it play out. Like, are they going to, he really also kill didn't call like, for a long time. Right. He didn't call. Yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't call for what well, he said. It was three days, but it, when they find the body, it turns out it might've been more, yeah. but anyway, how they find the body is he says that, um, it was behind a building shaped like an ice cream cone. So the, de- so, uh, um, detective funny lisp man, um, is just like, you know, he's like, did you notice his amazing lisp? Yeah, detective? I did. He's like, he said it was shaped like an ice cream cone. And I was ice just like, cream. knew it. I just knew it was a twisty treat. I just knew it was a twisty treat. <laughs> it's a twisty treat. Oh, you know Dude, he Try saying twisty, twisty treat with a lisp. Twisty, twisty treat. treat. I knew it was a twisty treat. And then I thought I, I thought a, a shiny brown object. I just knew it was a twisty There was no treat. T. There was no T when he said object either. Uh, I saw a shiny brown object laying object. there and, and next to, behind the twisty treat. And yes, uh, off, off of the lisp, uh, definitely found that body. Um, but anyway, yeah, he finds the body and it's, it's to a point of decomposition where like he, he said he couldn't even tell the race of the corpse of the body. 
Really, really sad. Um, pretty fully decomposed, like I said. Looks like she'd been there a week, even though he said this had only happened a couple days ago. You know what this um, reminds me of? That story about behind enemy lines. <laughs> this is exactly like the behind them in, in, in enemy lines. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I just wanted some ice cream. Wow. Um, so they were able to identify her by her thumbprint, <laughs> which wasn't fully decomposed, which is super uh, tragic. Uh, it's just super, super fucked up. Um, and like we said, her name was Rebecca Young. She was uh, an awesome young woman that apparently was much loved. Um, her mom was also murdered when she was younger, and she lived with her aunt Lucille, who seemed like a nice lady. She said that they were like parents and sisters and all of the above. Yeah. And, and basically they tell the story about how she was just like really just wrapped up with the wrong crowd. Yeah. They say she met somebody who was like a petty criminal and this person got her involved with uh, prostitution and drugs, kind of maybe convincing her to prostitute herself for uh, drug money for him. And, but they do say that they were able to clear him of of uh, any you know wrongdoing. They were able to uh, somehow come to the uh, conclusion that he didn't have anything to do with this, which is interesting. But they don't say anything else about him. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. So she might have been a prostitute. You know, I don't. Know. That's the that's the way it's presented, right? It's yeah. like they're not saying, even though they show her in a red dress getting into a car in a stupid reenactment. They're saying, like, but they're not saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also talk about this kind of like drunk uh, white hippie man who had told another prostitute that he had killed a black woman when he was drunk. And they arrested him and he was like belligerent and drunk. And when they arrested him and he, you know, they didn't have any proof. So they had to let him go. Again, hearsay. But basically... The point of the segment when this episode aired was to uh, get this guy who called in the tip, the witness. Uh, they're trying to get him to, you know, come forward. And they make it very clear that he will not be charged yeah. for with any crime. There's nothing All they want to know is wrong. information. They're like, what did you yeah. see? Um, and pretty much the only thing they know about him is uh, they think he's Cuban. He also had some interesting details because he was, you know. Um, people that speak Spanish will know that there's lots of different ways to speak Spanish. Oh yeah. So he was a, he said that he thought some of, he thought one of the men was Puerto Rican and one of the men was Mexican, I believe, or maybe it was Cuban and Mexican, but he was able to like, he, he gave him a pretty good amount of information on the call, but, um, he was anonymous and they weren't able to get in t touch with him again. Yeah. They actually play some of the actual call on the unsolved mysteries. It's interesting. Yeah, the actual call. So Rebecca Young, I guess, you know, nobody knows uh, why she met her end. Who knows? Tragic. This is definitely the most tragic of the segment of the week. Yeah, because it's so – there's just nothing, you know. It's like you get a tiny backstory of this nice girl. It just feels like it's a girl hands. who's just trying to, like, do her best to, like, make ends meet. And all of a sudden, she gets killed for 
who knows what reason. She probably saw something she probably... Honestly, she probably saw something she didn't want to see. Well, I mean, the witness mentions drugs, like... uh, Give me the money. Like, she didn't have the money for said drugs yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, she could have been somebody who was addicted to, you know, drugs. She could have been She could have been murdered purely for... uh, her petty criminal friend and his uh, vices. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. So this is a really one, packed episode. This one Jesus. is definitely unsolved. We've been recording for two hours. I'm sure that won't be, as long as, that won't be how long the episode is. An hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's um, a good episode. Dude, one of the boring episodes we made... One of the best podcasts. Oh, so long. It's gonna be crazy edit. Um. Anyway, thanks so much for hanging out. I'm David, as always. Uh, thanks for joining us, Rodan. Good night. And as night. always, Eli. Thanks so much um, for hanging out with us. I might um, use I might use one hour of sick time tomorrow just to kind of regroup because this is a God, fun yeah, fucking it's podcast. It's already midnight, right? <laughs> Dude, I gotta be at work so early. Oh God! But because you guys. I love doing this, and because I love Dan and David, I might just, I might just use some time. Oh man! Thanks so much for hanging out. We love you. Uh, for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening, and perhaps that someone is you. Good night.